1: From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
2: I guess as an actor, you you're always kind of, or I guess anyone in any creative endeavor, you're always going for this this imaginary place in your head, uh, kind of to reach beyond a certain threshold or the kind of goal that you have. And for, for a while there, it can feel like you're, you're chasing your tail, but for whatever magic we have in this. And, you know, Jane leading the way, the recognition that we've received has really kind of done that for me. It's satisfied that void that we chase.
1: Cody Smith-McPhee has maintained a stronghold this award season for his work as Peter Gordon in Netflix's The Power of the Dog, winning the most critics' prizes, including the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. However, he doesn't take his acting craft for granted and is still learning with each new outing. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Cody Smith-McPhee about his role in Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog and get his reaction to be nominated for his first Academy Award. But first, our Award Circuit Roundtable talks about the controversy surrounding the decision to pre-tape some Oscar awards and edit them into the ceremony. Plus, we're given our final SAG Awards picks for this Sunday ceremony. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close.
3: Hey everyone, it's the Variety Roundtable. I'm Michael Schneider, joined by Jazz Tanke.
1: Woohoo!
0: Hello!
3: Hello, hello. Janelle Riley.
0: I just want to point out, when we recorded this earlier in the week, I was first. And it was 2.22pm <laughs> on February 22nd, 2022, and now it's ruined.
3: Yeah, let's let's still make a wish, anyway. And... The one and only television's own Clayton Davis.
1: Two twenty-four,
3: twenty-two now. Yes. It's doesn't all the same, it's, Does
1: that doesn't have the same impact? It's still
0: a, um, um, not anagram, anagram, right? Same backwards and oh, forwards. Oh, yes. Palindrome? Yes. 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 Palindrome. I palindrome. Oh. Thank oh. You there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I promise you I was much more alert on Tuesday. <laughs> That's all
3: right. But we are here on a palindrome day. You're right, Janelle. Thank you. That's like the first good thing I've heard all day today. Um so obviously as we're recording this, uh, we're thinking about the folks in, in the Ukraine and what's going on internationally. It is hard to talk about entertainment at the moment, given the real world situation we're in. Um, but um, you know, we will plug on. But again, our our thoughts and and you know, hopes uh and and Warm thoughts are are heading their way as we go through this right now. Um, But um, like Janelle sort of alluded to, this is a rarity (laughs) where... We are actually re-recording this roundtable. Like the original roundtable for this week will be lost to the annals of history. It'll be the lost episode of the awards circuit uh, roundtable. And the reason why we're doing that is after we recorded the original roundtable, well, nothing some happened. News happened. Nothing happened. No, That's nothing what happened. happened
1: at all. Nothing.
4: It's it's a matter of hours, right? It, it actually was because we recorded it on the Tuesday. Mike and I were actually in the same room together, and. You were recording something afterwards. I was recording something. And if you have an Apple Watch, I honestly thought the Queen had died because my fo- my wrist was vibrating. It was like getting an electric shock every two seconds. Like, what is happening? And you've got to stay present and in that moment. And I was recording an episode of The Artist Den. And Ben,
0: Clayton, you can take it away. So what happened next?
1: Ah, uh, so... Uh the Academy has, uh, announced that several, uh, um, sorry, let me get more specific eight, a third of their categories will be, uh, not live during, will, will not be live on the telecast. Now details have been emerging. So what we know so far is that the in-person attendees Will be seated one hour earlier. So think of it as a four-hour in-person ceremony, three-hour telecast. The in that first hour, which is supposed to which is expected to run about 30 minutes, they're gonna run through eight categories. Those are documentary short, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound.
0: In a half hour. Good luck with that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So everyone everyone is expected to still have their Oscar moment. They're going to record it and then edit it into the telecast uh, for viewers at home. Because
0: editors are important and they can work fast. The
1: the, the irony of an editor editing in the the winner of best (laughs) editing was too much to bear. So let let, let me start with precedent. There is precedent for this because— every award show does this like, like the, the, Tonys do this. Uh, the Grammys air 10 of their 86 categories, uh, during their telecast. Yeah. The, the Grammys uh, is
3: a concert. It's not even really an award sure. show. It's just yeah. yeah. And then
1: the, the Emmy, yeah. I think I have a Grammy for God's sake. <laughs> and that and, the, and then the Emmys obviously have creative arts that don't get clipped into the, the primetime Emmy awards and there's various other things. And so, There is precedent for this. Now, while that doesn't excuse nor give the permission to do this, what we've been told is that we will see their full speeches during the telecast. What we've been told, like we're asking, you know, will they be edited? No one's really confirmed that, but the idea is to have them all. But like Janelle said, 30 minutes, eight categories – Like we're talking like a rattle off kind of stuff. And everyone's going to be seated inside except for uh, A-listers because the red carpet's still going on. Right. Outside. Yeah, right. Which leads into the ceremony, which is problem number one. And problem number two, it's leaking in seconds. Yeah. It's leaking seconds after like as it happens, tweeting out done. Well, that okay. Now I understand what
0: you're saying. (laughs) Yes, yeah. People are gonna be. Although I will say, the one time I attended the Oscars, the Wi-Fi in there was terrible. So but maybe they yeah. won't uh won't, rely, it. won't be able to get out. Yeah. But even still like someone's going to run to the bar and tweet the winners and we're not going to get that same, you know, feeling of excitement when somebody wins live. Yeah, and well the
3: the, the, pre- the press will. I mean, we're going to want to put out those winners the second they come out as yeah. the media. So we'll we'll spoil it for everyone by by putting it out there. We have to. That's our you job.
0: Do. You can count on that.
1: Yeah. It's well, so- and, and and wait, and also just to add to that, like <sighs> Now, what some people say is, like, you may spoil the evening. Like, a Power of the Dog wins editing, you're going to know what to win picture. And I don't buy into that narrative at all. Because as we've seen, like, nothing really has to connect to, for something to win in the end. And, if like, Emmys do this all the time. The Mandalorian first season, like, swept a lot of the techs. And everyone was like, oh, my God, it's going to win tomorrow. And then, obviously, it didn't.
4: I think, to Clayton's point about the red carpet, like, you are going to have A-listers on the red carpet. People are not going to be seated. So imagine Hans Zimmer and so, and you know, Hans Zimmer or maybe Joe Walker or whoever like accepting that Oscar and delivering your speech to seat fillers. Like your mm-hmm. front row will probably be seat fillers. And
1: well, 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 we do have details from what it's going to look like inside. So the. The orchestra seats, which seats about 1,400, uh, which inclu- includes – I always say this word wrong, the the uh, par – God, what what's that word? Parterre. So, parterre, yes, thank you. The parterre, and then the or- the orchestra part, like the main part, uh, seats about 600 there. There's going to be 212 seats there, and they're obviously going to be gapped apart, and they're decking seats. So it'll look – Similar to like what we saw last year where like there's like risers essentially like, you know, with tables and chairs and things like that because you have to make it aesthetically pleasing. So everyone could be uh, distance and then all nominees will be in that in the orchestra level and then everyone else is up top uh, dying or whatever they're <laughs> doing up there. Um,
0: it's not so, so bad. That, so,
1: so, yeah, no, it's not so bad. I mean, you're still in the room, so that's fine. So th- that clears up that uh, that instance. But the the big thing is, I think what you're alluding to here, Jazz, you can have the first woman of color win composing, and God forbid you mess that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, people are going to set the building on fire, and the world on fire. Like, it's going to be awful. Also, so, did it
0: really happen if Nicole Kidman wasn't there to witness
2: it? Oh, I mean, right. th- there, there's because, that too. Like, yeah. think,
1: think of someone like Jane Campion, right? Mm. Who's a director who probably will be outside on the red carpet. And then if her, if her editor wins, if her sound person wins, if Johnny Greenwood wins composing, yeah. you're not in the room to see any of that. I think that kind of sucks. Now, very clear here, under these – this is not giving them permission, but I'm just giving both sides here. Under the parameters in which someone has set – someone at ABC told them 180 minutes works. I don't know who said it, and they're running with that. That three hours has to be the goal. But three Under hours those, and
0: twenty minutes
1: is too much. Yeah. Under those parameters, and we still and we want clips because we didn't get clips last year, and we want musical performances, which we didn't have last year. If you incorporate that, then yes, you don't have enough time. So they have to do something. So of all like of all the things they could have done, and we saw two years ago they almost moved it to commercial break, and that was it, mm-hmm. which was awful. The fact that we're going to see them. I don't like it, but I'm like, I, I can if I see a full speech, I'm I can live.
0: Here's the thing I don't understand. And you guys have both cited score as a good example. Um, if they're trying to appeal to people like outside of movies or whatever they're trying to do, something like score. I mean, like Hans Zimmer fills stadiums you know, you have Nick Brattel, you have Johnny Greenwood. Like these are names that would actually like maybe bring some people in. And it's funny that they're including, they're dedicating a lot of time to best song. Cause people are going to perform those songs and then they're going to air the award live. So it's like, well, if you get, if you contributed five minutes of music to this movie, then your award is worthy of airing. But if you did the whole score, no, you're going to get yeah. shuttled off to this other thing.
4: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, Hans Zimmer is currently on tour. He's what? on a world tour, which is why he's not been around doing much press for Dune. And it's it's just fascinating to see that choice. Or like to Clayton's point, like, you know, Jessica Chastain's makeup artist, Linda Dowds, is nominated. And if they win, is she going to, she's going to miss that moment because she's going to be outside giving press. So it's kind of like, and, and even, like, in the world of sound, like, you know, Paul Massey's iconic in the world of sound. Like, you know, he he's known and, yeah, you know, and there is, like, students. You know, Clayton, you and I, we've done SCAD. We've done the Savannah Film Festival. And the students are so fascinated by the crafts of it all. And to kind of, yeah. like, take that
1: out is. And the
0: yeah. shorts. I, I, I love the and
1: shorts. And the shorts. So, so, here's, so the important thing to talk about the shorts for a minute, because I saw a lot of meet uh, people on Twitter and social media. Cause it's always a good place to have a, a an intelligent conversation. Right. Exactly. Um, the, yeah, the, the yeah, nuance, yes, they get nuance. They get nuance <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw a lot of people were like, Oh, get rid of the shorts. Now, like I, I love the shorts because that's where you see the birth of an artist. You see upcoming talent. It's where you see the most diversity of winners in the shorts categories. However, not 100% of the Academy's fault, studios, all that. No, the shorts right now as they stand are either the bathroom breaks or the make or break of your Oscar pool. <laughs> so e- either, if the Academy's not going to put in that effort to educate the public on what these films are and why these are good and all that stuff, then I've been a, a person that says, move it to the Governor's Awards. or so we move the Lifetime Achievement Award you know, to governors, which you know people didn't like either, but you know that that's something that that exists now. Um, so I, I I don't like saying that like oh get rid of the shorts, you know, but you know just discard them as easy as like not discarding editing and sound because all of them deserve their moment. It's just something that we need to build excitement around. But we're we're gonna have a interesting couple of weeks
0: it just it just seems like someone wrote a really good i think it was uh well i probably should even mention if i can if i can't cite the person who wrote it but it was for Vulture. um and they were saying like why are basically why are the oscars like embarrassed of themselves you know why are we yeah. not embracing like why do we somebody else on a much uh, simpler level said it was like continuing to try and pursue the cool kids at high school
1: oh like, yeah I, like, I
0: celebrate yeah, the people yeah. you have
1: yeah and listen i also don't I don't. I don't agree. And sorry with the premise that people are saying, like, you know, stop trying to reach out to people because I, I think the Oscars are for everyone. And I think there's a perce- you know, perception versus reality. There are a lot of people who there's a perception that the Oscars are for elitist, quote unquote, blah 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 blah. I think the Oscars should try to reach out to a newer demographic and expand their their audience, but they're not getting like someone isn't going to tune in now because they're like, Oh, cause sound isn't there. So they're, they're, it's they're low hanging fruit that they're not like getting. Um, and they're focusing on the, on the wrong things. And I think that is probably the most uh, telling thing, but I do want them to expand. Cause again, 1997, the most watched show, you know, the Titanic year, 50 million people. That isn't because they weren't trying to reach out to people. Like people were invested in that race. They wanted to see the, and that's even with Leo getting snubbed that year and not going to the ceremony.
3: And, and that's never going to happen again because the TV landscape was so different back then in 97. Uh, You know, the the, the Oscars are never going to regain that kind of viewership because people have options now. and, And the people who don't, want to watch the oscars don't have to they've got a million other choices at their fingertips and that's just that's the reality of of all television all television is down uh you know 50 percent or more look at the olympics look at uh you know uh super bowl and nfl is the one exception apparently uh you know america they they still love their football
1: but um beyond that it it's let's do a halftime show in
0: the oscars
1: so um, I wrote I wrote about it. I wrote was make the Oscars like the Super Bowl. It's the it's the defining example. People tune in for the Super Bowl that know nothing about football. They don't even know what teams are playing. Yeah. They watch it for the cuz the NFL has built an experience around a football game that's about commercials, uh trailers, and a halftime show and whatever else nonsense. So Oscars do the same thing. Make it an all day event, started earlier and make it an all day, like, festivity and get on a streamer, please. Also.
3: One devil's advocate thing I will add to this conversation is, you know, I, I talk a lot to awards producers, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to them over the years and, and the thing that they say is death for them is that march to the stage. And if there's any way to cut out that long walk that winners take from this, the audience to the stage, Uh, which, when you add it up, takes many, many minutes out of a show. If if they could cut that out, they would desperately, because the goal is, especially these days, you got to move it fast or you're going to lose that audience. So, the quicker you can pace the show, and if it means showing winners without having to show them amble up to the stage and then quickly hug someone and then slowly walk their way up, especially if it's someone you don't know and it's not a household name, then that's sort of, at least from the producer's perspective why they've been trying to do this for years with all of the shows this is the same thing that they've tried for years with the emmys uh to to mix result and with the emmys that was like directors categories writers categories that they tried yeah. to do the same thing like why don't we pre-tape their wins so we don't have to show them walking up to the stage? The same reaction, of course, was you can't do that. The guilds got involved, and they shelved that idea. But this is something that's been percolating for years with all of these shows. How do we get rid of the portion where they're walking to the stage and just like immediately show them winning? Maybe we put all the nominees on stage and then have them immediately race to the microphone. I think they've done that a couple of times on some they shows. They did, and they yeah, did it from the did. audience so,
0: once. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so, but I, I but,
0: like that march. I like when, I, you know, that's when they sort of do the voiceover about, uh, you know, uh, a little like info first about the film. nomination. Hey, put yeah. your Twitter fan favorite movie in the walk to the stage. Ooh. Yeah. There you <laughs> that's go. Fun. So they that need I to I make did. time for that. Listen,
1: by the way, uh, we're acting like Jacqueline Bisset taking five minutes to walk up to, to the stage at the Golden Globes was not one of the best things that, like, we've seen in years. Because that was amazing. And I will watch a moment like that. Forever, um, but yeah, I be evolving. We'll see what comes of it. But we have SAG Awards this weekend. Yeah, and uh, let's start with TV, Mike, because I want to talk about TV because Squid Game is <laughs> going to make history. That's my prediction.
3: I agree. I agree. I, I think people like are are excited to just pick something different i think it's uh you know you and i've talked about how it's such a large voting body and i just i don't know that succession is huge in chunks of middle america perhaps like it is on the coast where we're always talking about it but everyone watched squid game so i think you're gonna get that big sag voting body just excited
1: to vote for squid game anyone anyone disagree what no, I think they all agree. Oh, they no, agree
0: sorry. I, did, I didn't understand what you said. I think we we disagree on comedy ensemble, though. I think Ooh. there's a yeah. Ted Lasso only murder split.
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's Ted Lasso. I'm just going populist. And I think only because <sighs> the smaller casts always have a hard time, uh, like, kind of getting, like, traction in ensemble categories. And they... While Only Murders is obviously beyond Martin uh, Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez, to look at beyond the three, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, so I just think that maybe that gives Ted Lasso a slight edge.
0: Well, and Ted Lasso didn't win last year because it was still up against Shit's Creek, so this is a way mm-hmm. to recognize it yeah. this year.
3: Right, right. Sudeikis did win last year, and, uh, you know— in this case, it also sort of comes down to maybe Sudeikis or do Steve Martin and Martin Short sort of cancel each other out, which makes it even more obvious Sudeikis win, which I kind of sense it does. I think it's Brickelstein.
0: Yeah. You think it's bre- Brickels- bre- bre- I do. That's a, good, that's a good call. He had the best season, too, out of any character on that show. And he's out there. He's, you know, he, people love that guy. I don't know if you saw him on Sesame Street. He was in Oscar the Grouch's Garbage so Can. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think Steve gets – I'm going to go for Steve. This is where I think I'm with you, Clinton. Ted Lasso on comedy and Steve gets.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think there's going to be a split there. I just don't know what the split is. So we actually might have it the other way around. So actually well, Janelle might have, have, have it right-ish. God forbid. Mm. Yeah, well, God
3: forbid. Com- <laughs> comedy actress, a much easier pick. Who doesn't love Gene Smart? And clearly she is – the front runner. I mean, we all love Hannah Waddingham. Um, you know, it's it's a good group, but uh, you know, she and Juno Temple probably cancel each other out a little bit there. So, yeah. makes it yeah. even easier for Gene Smart to to pick up this win, which she would have anyway because she's royalty. She's American yeah. treasure, Gene Smart. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, that's how we have to refer to her uh, always. And then yeah. the drama actress. This is where I think it gets interesting because I think a gut reaction is like Sarah Snook, but. I think it's Jennifer Aniston.
0: I do, too. Yeah. I, yeah. Tag she, voters love her. Now, this year, um, I just need people to know that we will not get to see her and Brad Pitt share winning trophies like they did two years ago. But I still it. see Jennifer Aniston winning
1: mm-hmm. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was initially leaning Sarah Snook, but you're you're right about Aniston. She won. She's won before. Um, And and again, when you think about this large body that votes for this, um, you know, Morning Show, not as big in season two, not as buzzy. But Jennifer Aniston, I think, sort of transcends all of that.
1: Yeah. Although Reese, Reese Witherspoon, I think, is maybe like a quiet like sneaker of uh, not a shoe, but like a <laughs> winner. Um She had a great that, that, season. She, she had a good season. Yeah. And she's also kind of an actor's actor kind of kind of person. And she just might, um, you know, like the whole thing with the, the sale of um, her company might've like gave her some good uh, bumps. Or there could just be that
3: straight ticket squid game vote. And if so, yeah. then maybe yep. you get Jung Ho-yeon picking it up and, and maybe like on the actor side, you get Lee Jung-jae winning. And I would not object to that. Yeah. Just go straight ticket. You never know, especially because again, you've got three succession actors uh, competing against each other. So how do you pick, Um, you know, easy. Kieran Culkin. (laughs) Yeah. We all love Kieran Culkin, (laughs) but we all love Brian Cox. And of course, Jeremy strong. So maybe you're like, I can't decide. So I'm going to go squid game. Who knows? Um,
0: Just want to throw out Billy Crudup, who understands the assignment in the morning
1: show, is also there, and he's freaking
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going Jeremy Strong on my upset pick. I think it's Kieran Culkin.
0: I'm leaning towards Kieran, um, but now I'm starting to think it might just be a Squid Game sweep. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I've convinced you. Um I'm still going Jeremy Strong. I think the uh the upset may be Brian Cox just because he's the you know the elder statesman and uh, the the patriarch of of the succession family. So
1: Wait, who do you think of the succession of that 3 is actually like like who would you have voted for?
0: I would have voted for Matthew Mcfadden who had an amazing season, so and he's well, not even nominated.
3: He had an amazing finale, especially. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, yep. that finale scene.
4: Um, Jeremy Strong gets my vote, well
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, he also had an amazing season, too, just the, when you see the swings of, of that character. Um, you know, Kendall just going from, you know, sort of confident and swagger to... Being taken down a rung, trying to come back, and then being smacked again—it's—it's um, it's fantastic. I mean, they all had a great season. Sarah Snook, sort of the same thing. Um, let's go to limited and movie uh, on the actor side. Michael Keaton, of course, from yeah. Don't Michael yeah. Keaton. Yeah.
1: I, I, I feel I feel good about him. Oscar Isaac, upset pick, I think.
0: I think Murray Bartlett is the upset pick, but I think it's got to be Michael Keaton. If anybody watches that performance, it's like. Possibly the best performance of his career, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, my upset
4: pick is Evan Peters, Maryviet Town. People still like that.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
3: has been a while, though. So for a number of these shows, it's been a while. So I don't know if that uh, hurts or helps them. But Kate Winslet, for example, who won the Emmy, um, you know, is a front runner for SAG as well. But you've got Jennifer Coolidge sitting there, and she's my pick. You know, it's this is the year we're finally recognizing <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge and. Yeah, f- uh, almost her body of work deserves this this award. So,
0: yeah, but keep an eye on Margaret Qualley, who really carried Maid. Yeah, and you know is in every scene of that show, and is you know just it's funny to say she's a discovery because she's been working for some time now, yeah. and obviously we all know who she is. But for a lot of people, this was the first thing they saw her in. Wait, yeah. who's
1: her mom? <laughs> <laughs> her
0: co-star Andy McDowell. Uh, God, yes. I didn't know. That. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we talked about Groundhog Day on on Groundhog Day. I interviewed Margaret Qualley, and we talked about how much we
1: both love that movie. (laughs) God, what a multiverse.
3: Janelle, I talked to her the same day on Groundhog Day, and yes, again, we talked about Groundhog Day. Oh, God. Um, She's a really good actor
1: then,
0: because she acted like it was, you know, the first time she'd heard that.
3: Yeah, if you haven't heard her episode on the award-winning award Circuit podcast... Um, go Ooh, back and check it out. Award yes. winning. John Boyega
1: brought it in for us. <laughs> the, Look
3: at that the award winning award circuit podcast. Uh, real quick TV stunt. Uh, it comes down to Squid Game or Cobra Kai again. Is there the straight ticket for for Squid Game or
1: does my beloved Cobra
3: Kai pull it
1: off? I love
0: Cobra Kai so much.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was almost thinking about just doing a like a random pick of Loki, <laughs> like.
0: That's not <laughs> random. This? I absolutely That's, could see yeah. that
1: happening. They, yeah, they, oh, And mostly because it has the largest of the, it's the largest uh, ensemble of stunts where they named all the actors and it's the largest of all of them. So I was like, maybe it has a slight edge because of that. But I mean, Squid Game could be it. Cobra Kai, I, I I just have this thing about like, they don't, people don't recognize enough that the martial arts that people do in movies like is always spectacular and we should really be rewarding those People, so I always get like, oh, they're going to not do it. <laughs> That's
0: it so the show, though. The whole show is about the martial it's, arts. Like,
1: yeah, people. yeah.
3: And there's always those money, <sighs> like the, the the money shots, those episodes where it's just that cool kick ass fight. But uh, let's uh, let's jump to film. Let's uh, let's
1: move it on over. So. Oh, the easy. Oh, this is no, easy stuff. the fun one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is easy. Uh, s- Real real quick because uh it's just the easiest to get through. Stunts, I'm going with No Time to Die. Going King with fraud. Dune. That's a good one.
0: Although uh, boy, Shang-Chi. Someone <laughs> picked Shang-Chi,
1: so I don't have to. I'll pick Shang-Chi. I'm taking no
4: time to die, sorry.
1: Good. All right, thank you. I'll appreciate that. Uh supporting actress, I think it's Ariana DeBose, but Kirsten Dunst right there. Think, I
0: think it's Kirsten Dunst.
1: Dunst I, I do. Oh, yeah. If Kirsten Dunst does this, then like, ooh, I don't see power of
0: the dog going home empty. And uh, we'll get to the other categories. But I and also Kirsten Dunst. She's been around, you know, since she was what, like 10 years old. Always fantastic. Really? She's she's out there. She's working it. It's a great performance.
3: Uh, well,
1: su- with su- her.
0: Supporting actor,
1: you do have Power of the Dog there with Cody Smith mcfee oh, uh, I think I, it's go-
0: going to Troy Kotzer, Dakota. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a thing right now, and I it might be just stupid, but I think Coda's winning either ensemble or supporting actor. I think it's not, winning both. <laughs> no Yeah, I d I don't <laughs> think I I just I don't think it's both. So spoiler alert, I think I'm picking Cody here because of that reason.
0: Did you change this pick since Last uh, Tuesday, time. yeah. Cause I'm, I'm yeah, changing mine too. Yeah. I, I've
1: been, I've been like back and forth on Troy, but I just know that I'm picking Coda in one, not both, but I, I will I, say it's, it'll be the worst thing for power of the dog. If it goes home with nothing,
0: power of the dog will be just fine
1: at the Oscars. I mean, if it goes home with nothing, that's a hard, listen, I I just, I think of Brokeback back mountain year, four noms at SAG went home with nothing and then lost in the end. Now, obviously we know it was for different reasons or for a lot of those reasons, but I think, uh, I, I just think it needs to win something, so Cody's the easiest thing for it to pick up.
4: But I think Troy is so loved, and you he know, is. we've talked about this so many times, of, like, just, they love this film, they're, they're watching it, they're doing repeats, repeat viewings of it, and they just love this so
0: much. Everyone is watching it right now. That's a crazy thing. Even though it's been out since August, I get a text like every other day saying like, I finally saw Coda. And I'm like, no, literally, what took you so long?
1: And and I think he has a good local advantage. I think every actor in the L.A. area knows who he is because he's been on stage before. Like, I think that's going to help him a ton. So like, listen, I think it's a squeaker of, like, who, whoever wins, I think it's a squeaker, but I do think, like, they're right neck and neck.
3: Yeah. All right, male actor. Is it Fresh Prince? Is it Big Willie style? Are we, uh,
1: <sighs> we thinking Will Smith? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Will until further notice, but Andrew Garfield, I think, is right there.
0: Andrew Garfield is so fantastic. People love that performance. Um, in a way, he almost benefits from being the only Nominee from yeah. that movie, like you see how much they loved him. Uh, bonus points for being really good in Eyes of Tammy Faye as well. Yeah, he, I mean, I'm he's going, everywhere right
3: now too. He is everywhere.
0: Yeah. I'm going to stick with Will Smith, um, but I'm also got my eye on Benedict Cumberbatch because this is, in a weird way, he is overdue for a win um he's a great actor that everybody loves and respects he's in what is right now i think perceived to be the front runner for best picture Um, it's a role that really stretches him Um, he has to be filthy Um, he's still brilliant but filthy Um, and so i i've just you know i've been keeping my eye on him for a few weeks now would not be surprised to see him win here
1: by the way would be we'd be in violence by the way if andrew garfield does win because he's not nominated at BAFTA. And I think Benedict's winning BAFTA. <laughs> so get ready for whatever.
4: I have Will Andrew, I, I can see a scenario where Andrew does take it. Cause he's just, the way he blew everybody away in Tick, Tick, Boom, if you weren't already on board with him and you are like. Okay, and I was not,
0: I sing. was not, yeah. yeah. I,
4: I was like, he's a fine actor. I like his films, but seeing him in, t- in Tick, Tick, Boom and like his delivery of the dance, the, the singing and, Just that incredible portrayal of Jonathan Lawson was like.
0: I went into Tick, Tick, Boom, you know, thinking I would probably like it, but not sure, like, why I would care about this story. And in the first five minutes, and I know Andrew Garfield is a brilliant actor. I've seen him on stage, but, like, I was not prepared for the joy and the celebration of this performance. It's, you know, it's one people feel really good about. Yeah. But
4: if if Will wins, Clayton, all bets are off then. He's getting Oscar, too. Oh.
1: If he wins this, I think no matter what happens at BAFTA, he's good. I think you're probably right.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay, female actor.
1: Uh, I'm going that's with easy. Actors,
3: oh. Well, they're Any all actors. Think,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. going with Jessica Chastain, who is beloved by her fellow actors, also perceived as overdue. Though she, this is only her only <laughs> her third Oscar nomination, um, has been working the circuit, transformative performance. Um, Keeping my eye on Olivia Coleman, who is obviously Olivia Coleman. But I think yeah. for SAG, at least, I think I think it's Jessica.
1: Uh, I'm sticking with Nicole just because I feel like that's a safe choice to make. But it's really, but, but I think it's Jessica. Jessica or, or Olivia can do it too. Or we can be violence and it's like Gaga or Hudson. yeah, Jazz. Now's the time to bring in which some I Gaga. would not
0: object to. Yeah, I would not object to either of those picks. They're all fantastic.
1: I will say if if Gaga wins, I'm I'm picking Kristen Stewart for Oscar. Hmm. I'm just I'm just I'm gonna do it. I was gonna point.
4: say this is where I take Gaga. Then um, I'll ride the train. This is this is where I can ride it to. And look, I can see Chastain winning. I can see Kidman winning. But I think I, I think her missing Oscar could be like, well, you know.
0: Do people know that Nicole Kidman has never won a film SAG award?
1: I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Because I, I think so people know that she's won a SAG award. Right. I don't think they differentiate as much. Um, Olivia, I think they may know, has not stood on stage and gave a speech. Because she's only one part of an ensemble. So that could give Olivia a little bit more of an edge.
0: It's crazy to me that Nicole Kidman has never won an individual uh, film SAG she award. lost the Year of the yeah. That's Chicago. Right. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right i remember that i was backstage and renee zellweger came back with two sag awards because she also won for ensemble she looked like she was lifting weights
1: those things are heavy yeah
0: they're 13 pounds <laughs> yeah. i've been
1: told uh and then cats ensemble i'm going i'm going coda but belfast could do it too and king richard could come up the middle
0: oh boy i love that king richard cast i am going coda um, and I also want to say, keep an eye on "Don't Look Up" because that is the movie that everyone has seen, and it's a big, starry cast doing some really, really good work. Yeah,
4: I'm. I don't know. I mean, I can see Coda winning, surprising, and but I'm surprised Belfast. No, no,
0: no, but no yeah. Belfast.
1: No. go. <laughs> I'd just be the only I'd be surprised about it if House of Gucci won. No, I'm I mean surprised. obviously
0: Sag loves it.
1: I, I would be very surprised. I would still be. I'd be. Shocked. Oh, you would be surprised. Yes, I would be. I would be shocked to the core. Well, there you have it. Yep, these are all the right answers. So uh, <laughs> feel free
3: to just so check those off, Vegas. and we'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I'm more con. I'm more confused than I was before this, but <laughs> I guess all will be told on Sunday night at the Barker uh, Hangar in Santa Monica. So. Uh, we uh, will check it out and uh, we will see you all again next week.
1: Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 After the break, Cody Smith McPhee, Oscar-nominated star of The Power of the Dog. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's a Variety Award Circuit podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. From writer and director Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith-McPhee. Based on the 1967 novel of the same name by Thomas Savage, and set in the 1920s, The Power of the Dog is about a pair of wealthy Montana brothers, Phil and George Burbank. Phil is brilliant and cruel, while George is fastidious and gentle. Together they are joint owners of the biggest ranch in their Montana Valley. When George secretly marries local widow Rose, an angry Phil wages a relentless war to destroy her by using her son Peter, played by Cody Smith-McPhee, as a pawn.
2: Quite friendly with Phil, haven't you? Is he nice to you? He's making a rope for me. Making a rope? Either. I wish you wouldn't make that sound with your comb. I wasn't aware. When I was little, I, I felt a chill in my spine when I heard the chalk squeak on a blackboard. Oh, Miss, <laughs> Mrs. Merchant, that's who it was. She, she drew chalk stars by our names on the blackboard. I wonder why it was stars she gave us. Why not
0: diamonds? Why not hearts?
2: Why not (laughs) spades? Why? I wonder why it was always stars. Because stars are supposed to be unreachable. Cody Smith
1: McPhee has been prominent in past features such as The Road in 2009 and Slow West in 2015, and is in the midst of a seemingly open supporting actor race, which hasn't produced an agreed upon frontrunner, despite names like Troy Kotzer from Coda and Kieran Hines from Belfast heavily in the mix. At 25, Cody would be the second youngest winner in the category's history, sitting behind Timothy Hutton when he won for Robert Redford's Best Picture winner. Ordinary People in 1981. Based on the showing for The Power of the Dog at the February 8th Oscar nominations announcement, which led the field with 12 astounding nominations, the Netflix feature could be in for a very big night. I recently spoke with Cody Smith McPhee about his role in The Power of the Dog and what it's like to be Oscar nominated. We also discussed his love for art and how that has led him to music and rapping for French Montana at a party and receiving positive feedback. He also discusses whether or not his character Nightcrawler from the X-Men universe will have a part in the upcoming Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We begin by discussing what it feels like to have Academy Award nominee in front of your name.
2: It feels amazing. It's... um. It's definitely set in a little bit more that I now that I processed it, and uh, I don't know. That was the, that was the closest thing to kind of a pinch me moment. Uh, I woke up the next day and I I quite literally felt like wow I can't believe that wasn't a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, also because it happened at like one a.m. or something, or <laughs> and I had like a lot of press after it, so I, I was quite tired. But um, yeah, man, I've been I've been ecstatic. ecstatic. I've been just uh, on a roll. I've loved it.
1: Oh, and the whole fam too. Jane Campion, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, and my man Jesse Plemons.
2: Like yes. the whole
1: fam yeah. got love.
2: The whole fam got fam got love. And also shout out um to Ari Wagner mm-hmm. for representing Australia as well. Um, second woman cine- cinematographer to be nominated. That's that's crazy.
1: Ah, so you Australians are just taking over uh, Hollywood now, right? This yeah, is your thing. But actually, like I just thought about, I don't like because Nicole's there. Like you have a lot of we have a lot of Australians this year.
2: Yeah, we got Nicole. Yeah, Nicole's look at this taking over, man. Four nominations deep now, five.
1: What is she? Yeah, something like that. But your first, your first of first of many, I'm sure, man. But um, so let's start. So you and I, we start we started this journey. It feels like five years ago. It was uh, like six months ago, um, at the Telluride Film Festival, uh, the film was had its uh second its u.s uh showing there and it got its first uh look how how has it been since that point until now like has it just felt kind of surreal or just been like fast moving
2: both i would definitely say surreal and fast moving surreal in the sense that um i've been trying to find a good way to word this but to put it simply like i guess as an actor you you always kind of or i guess anyone in any creative endeavor you're always going for this this imaginary place in your head um kind of to reach beyond a certain threshold or it's the kind of goal that you have and for for a while there it can feel like you're chasing your tail um but for for whatever magic we have in this and you know jane leading the way the recognition that we've received um has really kind of done that for me it's satisfied that void Um, that that we chase and so I mean I I felt it from that first time that you and I met at uh, Telluride which was a lovely place to feel it first of all because Mm -hmm. it's just so stunning there and it's such an intimate kind of experience and you actually get to be a part of it and it's quite immersive Um, but it was the first time that I saw the world receive it and Everyone was kind of walking out in their little groups with their own interpretations. And I saw them having this really healthy kind of like bickering. And it it was beautiful. Mostly it was just impacting people in all the ways that we had intimately spoken about and put a great deal of thought into behind the scenes. And um, now it was was trickling off to the avenues of the world. and, And it only kept doing that, you know, to the big cities that we went to um you know london la uh we went to canada you know toronto and it was it was just the gifts that keeps on giving and i mean that echoes through to to what it's doing now
1: cool man um i, I feel like a parent old man here when i say this uh i feel like i was part of the cool kids that knew who you were before power <laughs> of the dog right and i go back to the road you know uh and, oh, we're going and, back there. And yeah I, like Like the road, like there's been a lot of like, like congratulations on your BAFTA newcomer uh, nomination, but a little bit of me is like, like, bruh, it's been 13 years, like this kid has been here
2: for a while. Thank you. And I'm, I'm going to let, you know, the experts and the people like yourself respectfully say that I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I'm taking it with humility. Um you have to, it's humility is the way to, yeah. to recognition and success and achievement. And, but yeah, I mean, sometimes if I can say this in the most ironic kind of with a giggle, what does one have to do to rid themselves of the label of up and coming? I'm not sure yet, yeah. yeah. but Hey, it's, it's cool. I'm definitely fresh, blood. you know, this is definitely a uh, power of the dog is definitely served as a, a breakout for me. Yeah. Um I've definitely been looking for a role to kind of, you know, spread my limbs into, and this has been the one. So, um, yeah, you know, I take it all with a grain of salt, but it is it is a little bit funny, you know, when you've been doing <laughs> 15 years and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, you, you, I've faced a lot of adversity on this journey yeah. as my career goes so hand in hand with my personal life. So y- you could in some space take that personally, but I, I've never been one to to do that. I just enjoy this so much, so I don't put too much sight to the narrative.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Um, so, where I was going with that question, like you started yeah. this off with Viggo Mortensen and Robert Duvall, yeah. and now, and now you're up to you know Kirsten Dunst, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jane Campion, you know. So where, like, how do you how do you even elevate? Like, like I feel bad for you moving <laughs> forward. Like, what are you going for uh, next? You know, you've worked with like a lot of the masters from the jump.
2: Yeah. I can only be grateful for that. Um, and it's it's always a different experience. You know, I, I always treat myself as a student, not only of my craft, but of the world. So I'm in a constant state of observing and acting like a sponge and taking everything in. Um, and it's a really beautiful way to, to view it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been one in terms of the material that I, I'm very picky with. Uh, I love the element of surprise. I'm sure... You know, quite quite soon down the track, I'm going to have more of a creative control over my navigation of of the of my industry. But um, I don't know. I really do just like the the material that shows up figuratively on my doorstep and kind of working from there. That's you know, it's not broken in that sense, so I don't want to fix it. It's it's a really kind of nice dance with fate. And um, yeah, I'm very cool.
1: cool. Awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Peter Gordon. Uh, The character you play, who is uh, many things and not anything at the same time. Like, he's like, there's, he's so layered, so complex. And um, I I said this publicly and I said it to you along the way. uh, You were the hardest person to talk about when I was talking about this film with people who hadn't seen it because you don't want to mm-hmm. give stuff away. So now it's been at the ether and I don't care anymore. So I'm just going to straight yeah. out. It. Like I, I compared your performance, like the the coming of like Anthony Perkins and psycho, but not necessarily yeah. saying that like you're psychotic in the movie because we don't really know the true motivation. Obviously it's clear in the book. So how did you find that uh, balance of like where Peter could either be diabolical or be someone that, the audience can relate to.
2: Well, that was the beauty of how he read in the novel and in the script. He was so cloaked in ambiguity. And um, and I, I thought that was really, you know, I, I'm never one when someone asks me, what do you, you know, directly think Peter was innately. Um, I really love to just, as you just did, raise all of the possibilities um, and kind of bask in the beauty of every avenue that you can go in. Um, you know, I saw some men walking out of the movie thinking that he was absolutely uh, a psychopath and then other women would walk out and, you know, specifically mothers and think, wow, that's so sweet. I hope my son would do that for me. So I, you know, I felt that in reading him and and I saw that as a great challenge for sure. Um, because as you said, you need to be leaving hints, but at the same time, not giving away too much. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess First, I just saw that as a challenge and then I was—I knew I, at some point, you know, if I had the privilege of getting the job, I'd be able to put my complete trust and faith into Jane Campion, you know, leading me. Um, of course, I have my own things I brought to the table, but, you know, I'm in debt to her in terms of the kind of unexplored territory that she guided me through with, uh, you know, techniques that I haven't done before that at first kind of threaten my ego in the way of thinking, you know, this is kind of the actor's actor technique and I, I don't want to do that or I don't need to do that. But ultimately, you know, after meeting her, I was just in a constant state of surrender and kind of surrendering that narrative as well, which is just the inner dialect of judgment. Um, and in doing so, I mean, it was absolutely rewarding uh, to see the new heights that I could elevate not only my process in character development, but, you know, from, from the concept of what I had for Peter and what I was going to do with him to give myself to these other experts, like, you know, in techniques or body movement coaching or dialect coaching to dial in the lisp, Um, I adopted all these other elements, which I wouldn't have thought to be so brave with by myself. And so, yeah, again, just in debt to Jane for, for giving me the state of mind to be able to do that and, and for just being a force in nature that I could trust to do that.
1: Scott, it's always awesome to be in the hands of a master. So might as well just let Jane Campion lead you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I want to give you the opportunity to talk crap about all the other actors on set, especially, you know, the terrible ones like Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons. Uh, I will never speak ill of Kirsten Dunst even jokingly. So, uh, like, what what was it like working with them? And like, you know, you have different relationships with both because actually now that I'm thinking about it. How, how many scenes do you have with Jesse in the film? Do you have like one or two?
2: Literally, like,
1: is uh, it? It's like when when they go to the restaurant. To the restaurant, right?
2: Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. The restaurant, and but also uh, he kind of drops like a cake off at the school. But yeah, there hmm. there really isn't, and we kind of would laugh about that. There wasn't that much interaction between those two. But I mean, I guess from a distance, character wise, you know, Peter Peter loved him, and. Um, had a lot of respect for him and obviously wanted everything to work out between those two. But uh, behind the scenes, you know, meeting Kirsten and Jesse, Benedict, all of them, that was so easy to to get along with from the first day. And we had these two weeks of uh, what I call Jane Boot Camp, where we would all work intensely with each other in all these different kind of forms of getting comfortable with each other and working through the arc of the story. So that was very important in terms of chemistry. Um, but I guess, you know, something unique was that Benedict, I still almost call him Phil. That's how traumatized I am. Um, Benedict was asked by Jane to to take a method approach. And so, you know, everyone else is kind of walking on eggshells around him. But because Benedict and I knew that our characters, you know, in our arc got, got somewhat closer with each other and grew this bond, um, if I may speak on behalf of him, he did have that elasticity to kind of have a bit of a giggle and have a joke with me and loosen up around me, uh, which he didn't have, you know, that with anyone else. So I think that was really good for both of us. Um, it was a place where we both got to loosen up, but, uh, then when it was like, when, when the day would wrap Benedict would go back to his family, I never really saw him out of that. Cause I think he was staying in his, in his mode and his vibe. But I would hang with Kirsten and Jesse a lot offset. And uh, you know, we'd have dinner and hang out and um just talk crap. Yeah. What's
1: what's like your favorite meal that you you were eating with uh, with the gang? What did you guys
2: uh
1: oh, clean up right. on?
2: For the most part, we were we were like in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so there wasn't that much good food out there. You, you guys weren't
1: you guys weren't hunting or anything or <laughs> <you> just <laughs>
2: You no, know, um, no, Jane and um Tanya, the producer, have this amazing taste for food and and this amazing ability to just find amazing food somewhere. Like, and what I mean by that is it's not usually like a restaurant or something. They met like a lady that uh cooked us this amazing like bunch of courses of of this like very New Zealand style dinners. Um
1: That's the most Jane, that's the most Jane Campion thing ever, by the way, that she would find a woman that just cooked amazing food and she did it.
2: In like a cottage in like a one like lane street, it was, it was an experience, but there's something specific in New Zealand called mutton bird, which you're only allowed to hunt if you have like um, an indigenous kind of right to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very rare kind of food. It's like a very salty Bird and it's delicious.
1: Oh, all right, cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a little awkward and talk about history making things if certain things happen in your favor and in the film's favor, uh, in the next coming weeks. Is there's um a party happening on March 27th, yeah, uh, the 94th annual party of Hollywood called the Academy Awards. And if you were so blessed to win supporting actor, you would be the second youngest in history following, uh, Timothy Hutton for ordinary people. Now we, you know, I, I think you, you were, you alluded to this earlier. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think you've been really trying to break out of like I'm a kid mode. Cause you're 25 years old. You're a, <laughs> you're, you're a man, you're an adult, but people, you know, it, it, I call it the Leonardo DiCaprio problem that he had for a long time. He was trying to get, see him beyond, uh, the young, uh, Leo, do you find yourself trying to break out of that um, kid facade or like just be taken more seriously nah. as like a man?
2: No, if I may, if I may redefine kind of what I was expressing there, like I'm sure. a, I, I admit, you know, I'm, I'm a youngin'. Um, I still am considered fresh blood. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's more, and I, I didn't have a, an issue with, the way that i transitioned from like you know child roles into whatever i am now you know i have a baby face so i (laughs) I can't can
1: can, can you grow a beard
2: yeah no dude no it's like like weird artist like french kind of thing um but yeah you know uh so it's not so much that or anything to do with being a man it's more so just like um, being recognized for, for just the time span in which I have mm. been in the industry, been present. And like you said, it's not even about myself, but the many, uh, amazing names that I've worked with and I've, I've rubbed shoulders with along the way and learned from, and basically ever since I was a young and, you know, I say it now and I'm like, oh, maybe I should be careful saying that. But I, I saw my a video of myself with Vigo Mortison the other day and they asked me, you know, what did Vigo teach you or this and that. And I, I just said straight up you know i I see myself on the same level as him i see myself capable of the same things as him and and Mm. so i've always treated myself that way and i I repeat that to today and that's no disrespect or disservice to anyone else that i work with that absolute masters and that i've admired uh you know for most of my career i just truly believe that and uh, i'm not going to put myself below uh, anything or above anyone Um, I, i meet everyone on the level and that's just how i believe in myself so I would just hope that, you know, in due time that I, I, I get that respect and recognition, um, in other ways. And, and it, it's, it's happening. It's happening.
1: Yeah. So. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. A, same level. I mean, listen, I'm the same as Marlon Brando, so that's fine. Like you keep that level. Like I am a master of the craft, just straight up. Um, I want, I, wa- I want to, uh, ask you some questions outside of power of the dog. Um, First, what you're working on next. You have a little Elvis movie coming out as uh the as the movie that <laughs> we joke caused COVID, but it obviously didn't because it's where Tommy <laughs> got COVID. But yeah. obviously we found patient zero in you now. But uh that movie's finally seen the light of day in, in June. Uh and you're playing Jimmy Rogers. Uh big part, small part, anything you could uh talk about?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm just um being straight up about it. Like in every interview that I can, it, I'm I'm not gonna hire people up in terms of seeing like what I'm doing next and following up Power of the Dog, like for myself, it wasn't that much of a demanding or, or big, you know, role. I mean, uh, uh, but that movie in and of itself is an absolute masterpiece that I'm proud to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and another cool, you know, Aussie, Aussie project to be a part of as well. Working with Baz was, was amazing to follow up after Jane. But yeah, I mean, I did get to, you know, play guitar and sing on stage, which was cool to be able to see something that I did as like a hobby and a pastime kind of transmute into my profession, which was, which was cool. And also a challenge in and of itself, but kind of coming fresh off the the batch with, with Jane, um, you know, I've been raring for, for challenges now. That's kind of what I look for in a collaborator, um, to, to have someone that just kind of kicks down the walls to my, my comfort zone and rips me out of there and, you know, initiates me into that world. So, I was totally baz. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that's, that's what continues after this, but I'm being quite picky as
1: usual. <laughs> is that, is that, uh, the only project, uh, that, that officially on the horizons or anything that, uh, you can share.
2: It is something else, but it hasn't, you know, broken out, uh, to the public. Um, it's pretty exciting and, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's released soon.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to ask this because we finally got uh, a peek at uh, during the Super Bowl of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that, that stars your terrible <laughs> co-star Benedict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just just in many roles, so many versions of himself just in the film. Mm. Um, however, while we were watching it, we couldn't help but notice that we heard a voice of Mr. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, you may be familiar with him as Mr. Charles Xavier from the X-Men franchise, and you uh, very astutely have portrayed Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, uh, in the previous X-Men films. Do you or do you know of any involvement of yourself in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness?
2: Uh, listen, I had this conversation with Benedict (laughs) on the set when he was in in Phil method acting as well. And I was like, listen, I know you're the dude in the boots right now with the rope, but you need to tell me, am I in the contracts moving forward? Um, and that guy doesn't let out a secret. Like, uh, I was actually slightly insulted, even though He though not let out the secret and he's really protective of that stuff. Mm. I can obviously transparently tell you I have nothing to do with the, the universe of uh, madness that's coming out, um, you know, in that trailer. I was equally as excited as everyone else to hear Patrick Stewart's voice. That's insane. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that the kind of um, the people that show up in that is just as exciting as, you know, No Way Home. Because I've never heard anyone scream, you know, audiences scream as loud as they did in that. Went, I went to see it at a drive in, I went to see it in the cinemas, and everyone's freaking out, and I was freaking out with them. So I, I would love that personally. Like, if, if I can just say that transparently on the yeah. side, I would absolutely love that. Um, I just really am a believer in MCU, and uh, I've made it a thing to kind of hold off and, and going into any other production companies doing superhero stuff because i just believe in mcu so much and mm. i hope to be a part of that that family one day and you know we all know that they own the rights to nightcrawler and stuff now so mm-hmm. hint hint nudge nudge so 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 nothing uh is
1: on a dotted line but you're open to it definitely if they asked you absolutely
2: open to it nothing on a dotted line okay great
1: thank you Ah, uh, what about *Planet of the Apes*? By the way, I know you were in the second. I, I love the *Planet of the Apes* franchise. By the way, it was like made, most underrated trilogy I think in the last like two decades.
2: Absolutely, you know, it was, Um, yeah.
1: has there been any discussions like kind of wiggle uh, into any it, other? Uh,
2: I haven't heard anyone ask that before, but that's actually really. That's a cool question. Yeah, because I mean, it, it had some yeah, it had some places to go, but obviously, I think uh, Matt is, you know deep in in uh, Batman and I have been just like his biggest fan on the sideline, just like emailing him, can't wait to see this um, and we're getting closer to it now I mean, seeing the commercials on the TV and, you know, seeing it advertised on Instagram get your tickets, I am so hyped and you know, Matt is so good at after working with him in, in Let Me In and then seeing what he did with Planet of the Apes and even this in the trailers he leaves his signature everywhere yeah fingerprint is so recognizable and uh i just think that's that's yeah that's so unique and that's so beautiful as a, as a creator that he's, awesome. he's got to the big guns and he's still doing that that's
1: awesome man yeah uh i wanted to ask you uh because like listen you're, you're what i love about you so much i like i feel like you're just an artist through and through like while you're a great actor as proven by, you know, where we are today with you. Um, I, I could see you get into so many different areas. Like I could see you one day directing, I could see you uh, one day writing uh, your, your own script. Obviously you have an affinity for music based on uh, videos you release regarding uh, your love for rap. And I want to know if that's something that you're looking to do, or is that something that you've demonstrated for some of your co-stars along the way? <laughs> Um, honestly,
2: okay. So I, I have a lot of hobbies that I, I pass my time with, um, whether I'm on, on movies, it's just to keep like the creative sides of my brain going, but also in a, in a strange way, if I come home from acting for 12 hours and, and I jump on the computer and make music or jump on a guitar or, you know, start painting and procreate on my iPad even though I'm still doing something creative, it completely refreshes my brain and it gets me into a kind of meditative state. And um, it's really relaxing for for me, but also not only is it relaxing and addictive, but there's this whole sense of accomplishment. And um, again, you know, to make uh, 360 of our discussion, Mm -hmm. you kind of start unconditionally and automatically growing this kind of goal for, for your aspirations for where this possibly could go. And what I mean by that is, you know, I i do painting, as I said, and and guitar, and I put one down when it becomes too hard and pick the other one up. And I do this in a cyclical manner, where you know, over the years I've got a lot better at, at these crafts. And uh I would really just hope to to release them professionally one day, um, not just for monetary reasons. I mean, from like a marketing standpoint and a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. um I would love to have a side hustle, but I just want to connect with people in, in other ways. You know, it's, um it's just like unlocking different parts of the game for me, you know, acting has proven to me that, that I can do that. So I want to start working on that in, in other ways. So that, that's just like another mission to me. If I can prove that to myself, it's almost something I want to prove to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, rap is just one of those things that I happen to be, I don't know, good at. And I know people don't, It just doesn't really fit with me sometimes, but you know with my image but it, yeah it happens to be something I'm good at and I, I ghostwrite for people and uh, mm. I remember I, I rapped for French Montana at, at a party or something once and I left the party and then I got all these calls Everyone was calling me telling me to come back and French wanted to talk to me and he sat me down for like a, a good half an hour to an hour just like dropping knowledge on me telling me that I needed to stick at it, whether it was painting or the the music, because, you know, he believes that that little bit of knowledge could go to 10 years for me. And, and it has like when a legend tells you something like that. Um, yeah, it means something. So I don't know. I just stick at all these things for fun. That's um, awesome. Yeah.
1: All right, man. That's awesome. Right. I have two last questions for you. Uh, one, uh, looking uh, at looking forward to the oscar luncheon that happens before the ceremony and hopefully you'll you'll fly over here and there'll be less of a plague happening we can only just cross our fingers we also said that to each other back in august and september so yeah yeah i mean we're still waiting for it to come true but uh who are you most looking forward to uh seeing or meeting at the ceremony uh there or at the luncheon rather I can read you off the original song nominees because that's, I, I, that's initially where I thought you were going to go. So just to give you some, uh, some, that's some exactly. uh, inspiration. It's
2: so, so weird that actors have like an affinity for, for music and getting into music. And then often music is trying to penetrate the, the the industry. I find that a funny dance and yeah, probably um, uh, probably people there are being interested in seeing that. It reminds me of the Luck event when I went there I had a weird surreal moment where it really hit me. I was walking outside to like go to the restroom or something. And I saw Jeff Bezos at the table sitting next to Leonardo, which is probably moments after that meme that circulated happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then next minute Quavo just like cuts me off and walks in front of me, just diamonds dancing in his mouth on the phone, Roly just blinding me. Um And Lil Nas X, you know, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was surreal. I don't really go to these places with any intention of being excited to to see someone because I'm just always astounded at who I I see by surprise. But um, to be honest with you, I've had a growing interest to actually meet Timothy because I I admire uh, what he's done and what he's achieved. And you can only, for someone that kind of resonates with the work that he does, you know, uh, look up to him in that sense, and uh, I just want to dab him up and give him that respect.
1: Mm-hmm. about Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, correct? Yeah, yeah so I want to make sure we're talking about the right, you know, could it be Timothy Hutton, you know, yeah, we just exactly. talked about him at the beginning of the call. Um, <laughs> okay. all right, last question for you because you because we talked music. Do you want to do a musical? And if you do, which one? No, no musicals for Cody Smith McQueen. No,
2: I, 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 I got like going to a real musical like live say I don't know Broadway things like that I enjoy that experience but I have to be honest I always am honest some people might like it I just don't like musicals especially if it's a movie I just I I can't get myself it's hard for you to- I don't know why yeah
1: yeah uh, listen th- that it's one of two genres that comes in with like pre disposition of people saying they don't like musicals. The other one is horror. If you don't like a horror movie, like you're not gonna enjoy it no matter how good uh, it yeah, is.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, true. And mate, I love horror. I love horror. Yeah. Uh, in the um pandemic, I went straight like a month just going to my friend's house with my girlfriend, and we would watch a new horror uh every week and it was amazing. That's I really awesome. loved the Barbara Duke. That was uh, ah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's Cody Smith McPhee nominated for Best Supporting Actor at this year's Academy Awards for The Power of the Dog, which is now streaming on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit.